In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. It strikes me as significant that our gospel lesson this night begins with Emperor Augustus, but ends with Mary and the shepherds. For those of you who might need a little little history reminder, Emperor Augustus is considered the first real Roman emperor. He ruled his new empire for around 40 years. And while Augustus kept many of the trappings of the Roman Republic that existed before his rule, things like the Senate and the magistrates, in reality, he possessed complete and autocratic control over the governance of one of the largest empires of the ancient world. And our gospel tells us that that Augustus, this great and powerful man, issued a decree that all of the people of his empire be registered. Now, historians actually take some some issue with Luke's claim here, as there is no other historical record of such a census anywhere else. And moreover, it seems unlikely that in taking a census, one would make people go through the trouble of having to go back to the place of their birth to register as opposed to just staying where they are. And as such, this may not be history. But there is indeed something true being revealed here. And offering us this description, Luke shows us Augustus's power displayed. This is his power, that he can move people by the sheer force of a decree. And yet, this declaration leaves people vulnerable and exposed. This is his power. And it is, it is Joseph and Mary, among many, many others, who are those exposed. They need to leave Nazareth and Galilee to make a perilous journey. They will need to return to Bethlehem, the city of David, since Joseph is descended from the house and family of David. David being the one who was once God's most faithful king long, long before. It is Mary and Joseph, among countless others, who will be blown about by the winds of politics and the whim of the powerful. They will be the ones who will find no room at an inn. They are the ones who will need to wrap their newborn child, Jesus, in bands of cloth and lay him in the feeding trough of animals because there is no room for them. And it is this Jesus, therefore, who is the most vulnerable one of them all because he is merely an infant, exposed 
and helpless in a hostile world. And yet it is of this most vulnerable one that the angels sing. It is of this one most exposed that the angels announce to the shepherds good news of great joy. The angels do not appear to to priests or to scribes or to religious authorities, but rather to simple men, men who themselves would have been invisible in their culture, ignored or mistrusted. And yet a multitude of angels come to these poor shepherds to proclaim the good news of the birth of an infant who is inherently weak, but who is declared to be Savior and Messiah and Lord. It is to this one the shepherds go in great haste, and it is of this one that the shepherds proclaim when they declare what the angels have said. When the shepherds declare what they have heard from the angels, it is their news of this infant that evokes amazement among all who hear. And it is because of this newborn child that the shepherds will praise and glorify God, giving thanks for all that they have heard and seen. Christmas makes a rather startling claim, one that we might even call a scandal. Now, we might miss this scandal because of the sentiment and the commercialism and the culture wars. We might miss just how subversive this holiday truly is. It is easy to to fail to remember or indeed to never realize what this holiday tells us about God and the world and therefore what it tells us about us and about our own lives. It is easy to, to think of that sweet baby lying in a manger but forget that this child is a victim of political whim. It is easy to get lost in the, in the familiar and comforting carols and forget the claim that this child, this, this exposed child, this vulnerable and defenseless child is the Son of God and God from God and light from light and word made flesh. It is easy to ignore the the radical claim that when God definitively reveals God's self, God does so in the life of this, this fragile and poor human being. Tonight, God does so in this infant who will come to be called Jesus. And moreover, God does so among those who are nobodies, and among those who are completely powerless. 
It is easy to not see that God makes God's place with the forgotten and the marginalized. It is easy to forget that that Jesus was born where there was no room for him. And so he was born on the outside and away as one who was rejected. Here we see God with the most vulnerable and most helpless. Here is God present with those who have been pushed around by the powerful and the capricious. And a part of the miracle of Christmas is that God is not just present with them, but that God indeed assumes the life of one of these defenseless ones in the life of Jesus the Christ. Indeed, this is the depths of God's solidarity with us. As a human family, yes, but also particularly with those who are marginalized and oppressed. This, this is how close God is. That God comes to us in the person Jesus, who was born to a nobody in the backwaters of a great and powerful empire. In this way, we can make the claim that Christmas is a scandal. The scandal that Christmas proclaims is that our salvation shall never come from those who have power like Augustus. The scandal of Christmas proclaims that for all of their power, They cannot bring us true peace or justice, despite what they might claim. Nor can they bring us safety or security. No, instead of the powerful, the scandal of Christmas tells us that our salvation is tied to this man, Jesus Christ, who comes among us weak and defenseless, and whose only power comes from the capacity to heal and forgive and reconcile. The scandal of Christmas tells us that true power, God's power, is grounded only in love and only expressed in acts of love. And as such, Christmas asks us questions about our own lives. Do we want to be where God is? If God stands with those who are marginalized, then are we willing to stand with God and therefore with them? And if not, where will we find ourselves? Where else can we truly find ourselves than with God? For else, where else would our true lives be found? Mary knew that the birth of her child was a scandal. She proclaims the scandal when she sings her song, Glorifying God in the Magnificat. She begins by declaring 
My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. But later she sings, God has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. This, she knew, was happening in and with her child. She knew her child was turning the world on its head. She knew God's scandal was at work in her. And so it is fitting that she would greet this news as treasure and ponder it in her heart. May we also find treasure in God's scandal and indeed ponder this good news in our own hearts. Merry Christmas, I say to all of you, and amen.